Good morning. If you would be opening your Bibles and turning with me to Luke chapter 6. Luke 6 as we continue walking through the the gospel of Luke, looking at what it looks like to walk with God. Luke chapter 6 is where we're going to be this morning. As you're turning there, I'm sure uh, everyone here... Even, whether you're a church person or not, it seems like everybody has that favorite verse they like. You know, John 3.16 is a very popular one. Usually you see at least John 3.16 in the stands at a typical football game or something like that, which is, I mean, it's a great verse to have. Uh, as your favorite verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's a great verse to have memorized. Other folks, maybe Psalm 23 that talks about the good shepherd that walks alongside us and teaches us where to go and, and protects us and provides for us. It's an amazing uh, thought. But when we come to Luke chapter 6, verse 37, I, I think we find a verse that sort of defines the attitude of our culture, that defines the attitude of our generation, a verse that just about everybody likes to hear. Judge not and you won't be judged. We like the idea that I don't have to worry about you and you don't worry about me. Like, like we like this attitude of you do you, I'll do me, we'll be a, a non-family. Like, sort of like the opposite of the, the Barney song, you know, like I care about you, you care about me. But you know, we, we like this idea that no one else can tell us that we're wrong. At least I do. I don't know. Maybe I'm alone in that this morning. But we typically like the idea that we are right, everyone else is wrong, only God can judge me, so you can't tell me anything. Somebody comes up to us and they're like, hey, listen, I think you were wrong. And they say, uh, judge not, sir. I'm going to just tell you what, what Jesus said. Judge not. And we'll drop it, right? We'll leave it at that. But what, what does Jesus actually mean by judge not? What does he mean when he says you shouldn't judge. You should not judge. Let's uh, get into Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 37. Let's look at Luke six thirty-seven. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Father, I pray that this morning you would open up your word to us. God, that you would remove the scales from our eyes. God, that we would be able to see your truth and understand your heart. And God, that you would speak into our lives this morning. God, I pray that as we open up your word, that you would make us aware of who we are without you and that you would make us aware of your grace available to us. Lord, I pray that as we look at your word together, God, that you would change us by your truth. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. And so, so what does Jesus mean here? Well, let, let, let's first start with what he doesn't mean. He doesn't mean if you never get in anybody else's business, that's a free ride to heaven. Like, that would be a pretty sweet deal, right? I'm never going to judge anybody else, therefore I'm never going to be judged. That sounds awesome. That's not what he means. His point isn't that if you just never say anything bad about anybody else, you, you get to go in. No, what he means is, don't sit in God's seat. Like, if you ever sit in somebody else's seat and they have to be like, uh... Sorry, that's my seat. You're sort of in the way. Well, when you sit in God's seat and you judge other people, that's what you're doing. There's only one seat reserved for the one of the universe who gets to say, no, you deserve punishment and you do not. When we judge other people and we condemn other people and decide what they deserve, what we are doing is we are saying, God, you don't know what you're doing. Let me handle this. 
Step out of the way. I'm going to sit in your seat and I'm going to judge the people around me. Now, this doesn't mean that we walk around assuming that no one's ever done anything wrong and that no one can tell us that we've ever done anything wrong. And we know this because Jesus says, forgive and it will be forgiven. Well, how can you forgive something if it's not wrong? No harm, no foul, right? Like if there's no crime to commit, there's nothing to forgive. So Jesus obviously doesn't mean that no one ever does anything wrong and we should just pretend like no one ever does anything wrong. No, he's saying it's not your job to pronounce judgment on everybody around you. Like it's not our job. We are not the world's morality police. This is not our job. We, don't, we shouldn't expect believers or non-believers to act like believers. That's not our job. He, he, he's, what he's doing is he's setting us free. He's saying, listen, God's in charge of giving out the whippings. You don't have to. We ought to love the people around us so much that we don't want to, to, to give them whippings all the time. And, and here, here's what I mean. So like last night, I was in charge of the babies. I was in charge of my children. Uh, my wife and her mother, they went out to eat at a very nice restaurant, and I had frozen pizza with the children, and it was awesome. And, uh, and so I was watching the kids, sort of. And what I mean by sort of is I turn my back, and I turn back around, and they've gotten into like 10 different things. Like they're, they're just, they, they keep getting in trouble, right? Well, the, one of the biggest things that happened last night was Josiah came to me and he said, Dad, so we had a pocket knife. She took it and she put it back. Should I have told you? I was like, yeah, you probably should tell me that stuff, buddy. And so it, she had gotten a pocket knife, opened it, closed it, and put it back while I wasn't watching. And so he comes and tells me, I was like, Zoe, I'm going to have to spank you. Like there's, there's no getting around this. Go to your room. And she does what she doesn't normally do, which is actually get up and walk very quietly to her room and lay across her bed, waiting on her punishment. I walk in there and I'm like, that's not fair. <laughs> I, like, I put on this big show, like, I don't care, I'm going to spank you. No, that's not me. She knows that. So she just lays across real quiet. I can even hear a little whimper. So what do I do? I pick her up and I hold her, right? Because I don't want to spank my kid. I love my child. I feel like sometimes we are happy when we get to pronounce whippings on people around us. Like, ha, God's going to whip you, boy. And Jesus is saying, no, you should have the attitude of a father to his daughter that says, no, I really don't want you to be punished for this. I actually want you to be blessed. I actually want you to correct your behavior. By the way, just picking her up and putting her in my lap, I sort of played her too. Like all of a sudden she starts crying a little bit. She feels bad. I feel good. Anyway, but anyway, it's not the point. I'm moving on. Moral of the story is I ate frozen pizza and I was happy with it. But, 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 but honestly, I think we believe that it's our job to deal out the punishment. It's our job to sit in God's seat and say, all you people are wrong and we are right. But what Jesus is saying, no, actually that's God's job. You get to just love people. You get to show them mercy and grace and forgiveness. And he tells us how to show this mercy, grace, and forgiveness in verse 38. He says, give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now we need to understand a little bit about context here. Jesus is using a, a picture that would have been common in that day where a guy would be sitting there and he would have a measure to put corn in. And so somebody would come along, buy corn, and so you would, he would pour it about three-quarters full 
and he would shake it around and make sure that all the kernels was kind of on the bottom and so make sure it's good and tight. Well, then he would pour it the rest of the way and then he would, he, he would shake it again and then he would press it together. He'd make like a cone uh, of corn on top and then he would take his fist and he would smash it down and try and make a little hole and just put every little bit he could and then the person who was buying the corn would come and, and they would grab uh, the, a piece of their clothing that they were wearing and they would, they would open it up sort of like a pocket and he says that, that, that they would pour it in there. And so what Jesus is saying is, is you, the, the measure that you're going to be given is so much that you can't even hold it all. It'll be poured into your lap and it'll be spilling over. He says, give and this is what will, you will receive. Give in this way and this is what you will receive back. Now, in one context, yes, Jesus is talking something about material things, but he's also talking about forgiveness and grace and mercy because of what he says here when he says, with the measure you use, the scale you use to judge the people around you is the same scale that's going to be used on you. How many of you folks want, want to be judged, judged by God the way that you judge the people around you? How many of you want to have the same measure of judgment against you that you use around the folk, on the folks around you. Here, here's what I mean. When people come to judge us, what do we typically say? Don't judge me. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know how many miles I've had to walk to get as good as I am. Like if you knew my story and all my struggles, you wouldn't be judging me. You'd be saying, man, that guy's way further than I ever thought he would make it. And when people come at us, Right? Then we turn around and we look at somebody who falls, somebody who sins, somebody who messes up, and we say, man, I've come overcome everything I've overcome, and they trip up over that. They don't get any mercy from me. They don't get any forgiveness from me. How dare they sin? And so all of a sudden we want to judge the people around us, not based on their story, not based on their background, but based on our perception. Jesus says, do you really want the same measure on you that you put on everybody else? We typically give ourselves a pass. Well, that's just how I'm wired. That's just my personality type. I had a test. I get a pass. I don't know what their deal is. Jesus says, no. Well, as one other teacher said from the same time period, they, he said that when you're judging another person, when you're judging another man, always tilt a scale in his favor. Look with mercy. Look with grace on the people around you. And we come to verse 39 and we see why this is so important. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? That's pretty simple, right? I mean, that's a pretty straightforward picture that Jesus gives. He says, if you don't know where you're going, how smart is it for you to tell other people, hey, y'all follow me? Like on Tuesdays, um, uh, we have a group of ladies who go out to eat and the joke every week is I always ask Miss Cynthia Navin if she wants to follow me and the reason why is because we were going to McAllister's one, one Tuesday and I decided to take a, a shortcut my kids would call it a daddy cut which means that it's actually way longer than the normal way to get there but it's different and, and so I decided to take this shortcut and, and so I, like, I cut down Section Line Road and down by the Bear Bank and all these different roads and like I'm cutting all around these back roads and I look in my mirror and Miss Cynthia is trying to follow me. I'm like, this poor Miss Cynthia, she actually thinks I know where I'm going. Like, I'm planning on coming out to where I can just take a right and pull in McAllister's. I end up way down past Walmart and have to fight that traffic all the way back and, and cut back across to the left. By the time we get to McAllister's, Miss Cynthia gets out and she says, I ain't ever following you nowhere. And because, 
she's like, this guy's lost. He doesn't know where he's going. And, and it was true. It was the blind leading the blind. She didn't know where I was headed, but she was going to follow. And by that point, she had no choice because we were so lost together. But that's what ends up happening if we don't know where we're going and we start trying to tell other people what way they should go. Jesus says, can the blind really lead the blind? Aren't you both going to end up in the pit? Aren't you both going to end up destroyed? The reason why this is important, the reason why this word picture is important is verse 40. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. So in other words, whoever you follow, whoever you allow to teach you and direct your life, that's actually the person you're going to end up looking like. Those are actually the behaviors you're actually going to pick up. That's actually who you're going to end up being. And so be careful who you follow. And more importantly, in Luke's context, be careful before you start trying to lead, before you begin to pronounce, I know where we're going, y'all. You just follow me. Because can the blind really lead the blind? Look at verse 41. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye. But not, do not notice the log that is in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself have a log that's in your own eye? You hypocrite! First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck, take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. Jesus looks at these folks who are trying to pass judgment on everyone around them, and he says, Listen, you're trying to do eye surgery as a blind man. Why aren't you trying to get this little bitty tiny piece of sawdust out of somebody else's eye? When you've got like a beam, uh, the, one of the main beams of the house sticking out of your eye. It's like, you need to take care of your business first. You need to take care of what's going on with you first before you begin to try and help the people around you. See, what Jesus is aiming at here and what we're going to see is that we a lot of times think we know what's best when we really have no clue. Because we're really good at seeing the problems in everybody else's life and not so good at seeing our own. Because we forget about the gospel and we forget what we have received in Christ. God, the, the application of the law, the application of judgment that we put in other people's lives will show just how much we really understand of the gospel. The way that we judge the people around us will show just how much we believe we've been forgiven and how much grace we've received. Like, if, if you look at 1 Corinthians 13, I won't turn there, but, but Paul, he's talking about love, and he walks all the way down through love. And, and towards the end, he says, when I was a child, I thought I was a child, I did as a child, I, I said childish things, basically, but now that I'm grown up, I put away all that childish stuff. He says, I, I used to be very certain, basically, I used to be a, a legalistic person who believed I knew everything. He says, I put all of that away. And he says, now we see in part. Now we know in part. Then we'll finally understand everything. Like you can talk big about prophecies and all these other things. They're all temporary. The truth is, is we don't know, we don't know near as much as we think we do. We're not near as smart as we think we are. I have still got things to learn, is what Paul was saying. I don't clearly understand everything about everything. Paul, the man who wrote more of the New Testament than anybody, besides maybe Luke, says, hey, listen, I'm still learning. 
I still got some stuff I'm working through. We know this from Philippians. He says, I've not yet arrived. I've not yet attained. I'm still working on it, and I'm finally mature enough to admit it. I'm finally mature enough to say, I don't have it all figured out. Guys, to be truly mature is to admit we don't know it all. To allow others to speak into our life. And so what Jesus is saying here is that you think you know it all and you think you can tell everybody else what to do when the truth is, is you haven't even seen what's going on in your own life. You're so immature. You, you think you're ready to lead, but the truth is, is you're blind. I was, I was talking with a buddy of mine this week through this passage. We usually try and give each other a hard time as we're working through our sermons. And, and, he, and I was telling him, I was like, you know, basically the blind man, it, is, it becomes myself because... I don't let anybody else lead me. Like, I, I'm, I'm too prideful sometimes to lead, to let anybody else to lead me. So basically, I end up leading myself. And he said, you, you, you know, you're a perfect illustration of what Jesus is talking about here, right? He said, you know, I'll call you and I'll say, hey, what about this book? Or what about that? And I'll say, eh, that guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Oh, he's just trying to sell books. And I start off, before I attempt to learn anything from someone, I begin by judging them. I begin by believing I'm in the place superior to them, that I'm in God's seat and they don't have anything to teach me. How could they? And guys, if you feel like you're superior to the people around you, you'll never learn. You'll never allow them to teach you. You will remain blind. Like That's, that's why it's so important that we begin with judge not. Because if you believe that you've reached God's status, that you're smart and everybody else is dumb, you're never going to learn anything. You're never going to know what it's truly like to learn from anyone. It's something that, that creeps up on you. It's something before you even know it, your pride has grabbed a hold of you and you can't hear what anybody is saying because you're no longer allowing anyone to speak to you. And so, so we stop allowing God to speak into our lives. We stop allowing other people to speak to us. And, and once we get there, well, I mean, what do you have to teach me? Don't you know who I am? And we become blind. That's, that's what was wrong with the Pharisees. They looked at Jesus and they said, no, we know everything there is to know about God. We know everything there is to know about His Word. And we know what you're saying is wrong. We don't have, we don't have to listen to you. Before they even would give Jesus a chance to speak into their lives, they'd already dismissed Him and decided that they could judge Him. And so they didn't want to hear what He had to say. And so they remained blind, headed straight for the pit. And I know most of us are not struggling this morning to listen to leading theologians and, and questioning leading theologians. I get that. But I guarantee you every one of us is struggling to listen to our real friends, to the people who will be real with us when we have a situation we're going through, somebody who shoots straight with us, someone who, if you say, does this dress make me look fat, they'll say, yeah, kind of. I know it's a terrible example, but I couldn't think of a, of a better one than that. But, you know, it, this idea that Someone who actually will tell you the truth. Someone who will look at you and say, you are dumb. Don't do that. Those folks are hard to listen to. What, what, do, we, what do we do? We, we start to break them down. We start to demean them. We start to talk about how we're so much more spiritual and holy than they are. How dare they question me? Don't they know how much further I am than they are? Who are you to judge me? I know who you are. I know all the mistakes you've made. You don't have anything to say to me. Don't you know how much smarter I am than you? And next thing you know, there's no one left to speak to us. 
We judged everybody. And we're going to stay blind, following our own blind selves. So, so arrogant and proud that even as a blind person, we won't take someone else's hand and allow them to lead us. See, because we, we can always find fault with the people around us. And, and we, can always, we can always see when someone has decided and made up their mind that they're going to do something that they know is a bad idea, and they know that the real friends in their life are going to tell them it's a bad idea. Because, number one, like I said, they begin to undermine all the people in their life. And then, number two, they separate themselves from the people who are going to tell them that it's wrong. And so you'll, get, you'll hear from them, and they'll say, I know, I knew that you would judge me for this. I knew that you would think this was a bad idea, so I didn't tell you. I just went and did it anyway. Basically, you're judgmental, and you wouldn't understand. So I'm just going to do this anyway. And then on down the road, you hear back from them, Why didn't you tell me not to do that? That was really dumb. You see, if you get to the point that you won't let others help you, you won't let others lead you, you become blinded to what God is trying to teach you, what God is trying to show you. You have no idea where you're going, but you're going fast. And everybody better get out of your way. Everybody better start, stop questioning you. And when you get to that point, who's left to teach you? Like, If everyone you listen to has to be perfect and know everything, then you'll never learn anything. Like, if before someone can say something to you to help you, to grow you, if before that they have to be perfect and know everything, you're never going to listen to anyone. Because there's no one like that other than Jesus. That's it. Have you so secluded yourself and thought of yourself as being so right all the time that no one can speak to you anymore? Are you blind to the direction you're headed this morning? When's the last time you began a, a sentence that didn't begin with, uh, or when's the last time you said, you know what, I actually learned something from this person? When's the last time you actually had someone speak into your life and, say, and redirected you and showed you that you were wrong? When's the last time you were wrong, period? That will reveal your heart. That will reveal your humility. That will reveal your teachability. Listen to verse 43. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit, for figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Was it? What is it like to have a conversation with you? Is it full of mercy or condemnation? Is it full of forgiveness or anger? What's in your heart will be seen by what comes out of your mouth. If all we had to go on was the conversations you had this past week, what would we say is in your heart? Humility and openness to God teaching you or a prideful arrogance that says no one has anything to say to me? Jesus says the proof's in the pudding. You actually will see what's in your heart by what comes out. And, and it's amazing to me that, that the way that we do this. So in Matthew's gospel, Jesus is actually warning against false teachers, something along the same lines as what we're looking at here. But in Matthew's gospel, his, his focus is more on false teachers and avoiding false teachers and not letting people lead us in the wrong direction. Well, when we read this in Luke, our immediate response is to say, uh-huh, all those false teachers out there, they better listen up this morning. 
There's people who need to hear this. I ain't listening to them. Instead of hearing God speak to us and say, uh, you really need to change. See, our response when we begin to speak about this is other people need to change, not I need to change. It's because we don't understand the gospel. We're revealing our heart of self-righteousness and arrogance. And, and so listen to what he says in verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my word and does them, I will show you what he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream, not the flood, the stream broke against it, immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. Jesus says, you know who you are and you know what's in your heart by the way that you respond to him. Because it's, it's one thing to hear something, it's another to understand something, something totally different to obey. Like, I mean, I mean my, my kids could tell me all day long that they understand what it means to clean the room, but if they don't actually do it, it does no good. I, I can study God's Word all week, and I can prepare, and I think I can come to an understanding of what Jesus is trying to teach, but if it doesn't change me, it does no good. Jesus is saying, you can hear what I'm saying, you can know what I'm saying, but if you don't do it, you're like a guy who built his house on, on the sand. You're like a guy who built his house just on the flat ground, and when a little stream comes, it just washed you away. He says to actually do what I'm saying, well, that's to dig down deep to the rock. That's to have an actual foundation, an actual uh, foundation for your life so that when things do come against you, you can stand. Guys, we have to be careful because whatever we build our house on, I mean, that our foundation on, when, when trouble comes, we're only as good as our foundation. And if all we have is lip service to the Lord, if all we have is knowledge of the Lord and no obedience, no actual change, we're going to be washed away with the flood. We have to be careful how we hear what Jesus says and not begin to fool ourselves into thinking, oh, I, uh, I look like a Christian. I look like a believer. I do good stuff and it, you know, I, I go to church and, and all that and so I must be a good person. Jesus says, no, there's actually going to be a change in your life, and if there's no change, you're in trouble. Oh, I can tell you all this doctrine. I know all this stuff. I can, I can quote John 3.16. I can quote the New Testament. I, I mean, the, the Ten Commandments. Uh, maybe you can quote the New Testament. But if there's no change, there's no action, then it does you no good. Jesus says, your pridefulness, your humility will be seen in the way that you actually respond to me. Because the truth is, guys, we'll tell somebody, oh, you're right, man, I, I should change. I really should do something different. And our respect for that person will be seen in whether or not we actually do it. It will be seen in whether or not we actually obey. It's a whole different ballgame when we start talking about actual obedience. And so Jesus is saying here, if you're actually going to listen to me, you're actually going to obey me, you're showing something about your heart, you're showing something about your humility to actually be changed by me. And so it begins with judge not. It begins with, Christian, put your gavel down. Get out of God's seat and learn from the one true teacher, Jesus. You're, you're called this morning in the name of Jesus to pour out as much mercy and grace and forgiveness as possible 
on the people in your life. Like if we follow you around this week and we hear what you say, the things coming out of your mouth should be things seasoned with grace and love and mercy. Doesn't mean that you're never contrary. Doesn't mean you never disagree. That's not his point. His point is that you never tell somebody that you're dumb. That's not his point. His point is, maybe you shouldn't use the word dumb. I'm sorry for that using it so often, but it's an easy word, right? But maybe you should tell them they're dumb. Depends on how dumb they're being. But, but, but we, we should be the most loving, understanding people on the planet, guys. We, we should be the people who people come to who know, hey, I messed up big, but they're not going to hold my feet to the fire. They're going to help me figure out how to walk with the Lord out of this. They're not going to condemn me. They may tell me what I did was dumb, but they're going to help me get from where I am to where I need to be. That's the folks we ought to be. Folks known for forgiveness, grace, and mercy, not folks known for taking God's seat, the one who's actually in charge of judging. Because, guys, the truth is, if we're really aware of the gospel this morning, we're really aware of what we've been forgiven of, what right do we have to condemn anyone else? See, our pride gets in the way, and we begin to believe that we are where we are because of who we are, and not we are where we are because of who he is. And when that happens, there's this huge log that gets in our eye and we can't see that anymore. All we see is all the problems that everybody else has. And it's way easier to talk about them than it is to talk about what we did, about what we need. It's way easier to point out the faults of all the folks around us than it is to point out, to actually examine our own hearts and ask, am I actually walking with the Lord? Jesus says take a breather this morning from judging everybody else and look at your own heart and your own life. Quit saying, man, somebody else needs to hear this. And start saying, Lord, how can I submit to you? How can I obey you? Lord, help me with my speech. Help me to quit condemning and judging all the people around me and start showing love and mercy and grace to the people around me. Help me to start being understanding of them and helping them to see the gospel in their own life as they look at the gospel in my life. But guys, this, this isn't just for Christians. This judge not passage is probably the most famous and favorite passage of any other passage currently in our culture. And the reason is, is because what you do if you're not a believer a lot of times is this. Well, I would come down there, but all you Christians are so judgmental. I know what you people did. I know how terrible you are. You are so judge away. Aren't you judging? Didn't you just break your only commandment? Here's the problem, guys. If you decide that you don't want to hear anything because no one can speak to you because you're so smart, it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not a Christian, God's going to hold you accountable for that. You have to make up your mind this morning. Are you going to allow other people to decide whether or not you believe on Jesus? Or are you so good and you're so perfect that you don't need Jesus to teach you anything? If you're not humble enough to come before Him and say, Lord, I have sinned. God, then you're in real trouble. You're blinded by your own sin, headed to the pit, because you're following yourself. And you don't even know where you're going. You need to make up your mind this morning to hear from him. He says if you need forgiveness, you know what he offers? Forgiveness. If you need mercy, you know what he offers? He offers mercy. If you need grace, you know what he offers? He offers grace. He says come and be forgiven. Come and be healed. Come and receive a new life. All you got to do is ask for it. Quit using Christians as an excuse. Because the truth is that we're always going to be judgmental. That's who we are as people. Every single person on this planet is judgmental. That's why Jesus has to constantly tell us, quit looking at everybody else and look at yourself. 
Because, yeah, there will always be an excuse to not follow Christ. There will always be an excuse not to receive grace. I'd hate to know that that's what your excuse is this morning. I'd hate to know that you don't see Christ in spite of all of the, the terrible things that people do in the world. In the name of church and all those other things. Don't use that as an excuse this morning. Believe on the Savior who offers you forgiveness freely because of what he did. Believe on Jesus and be saved. Let's stand this morning. And as you stand, I'm going to pray for us. And after I pray, we're going to have a moment of invitation. Father, I thank you. God, I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your love. God, I thank you that in spite of us, in spite of our tendencies to, to forget who you are, in spite of our just constant ungratefulness, Lord, you show us mercy, you show us grace. God, I pray that we as your people this week would be known as people of grace and forgiveness and mercy. God, that we'd be known as people who no matter what you can come to with whatever you're going through. And God, I pray for those who don't know you, Lord, I pray that they would see through all of this, God, that in spite of uh, all the, the imperfections of your people, God, that your grace, your mercy, your salvation is perfect. God, help us as imperfect people point people to the perfect Savior this morning. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Would you come this morning as we sing?